say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am indeed your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, for those of you that are still listening uh, via podcast or uh, via rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, you know, stations like, of course, K-Y-A-H, Utah's Talk Authority. If you're listening on some of those stations like that, then thank you so very much for being here. And uh, I appreciate you listening for your benefit. The time of the live broadcast is actually just a little bit after 7.20 p.m. Eastern on November 1st. So congratulations. Whenever you're hearing this, you have managed to survive this year's Halloween. Halloween 2021. And the scariest thing about this Halloween is that some people actually dressed up like the members of Operation Pee Pads and Knee Pads. Uh, I saw a few of those costumes out, and man, those were the scariest ones. Give me the scary-looking demons. Give me the witches. Give me the monsters. Please, please stop dressing your kids up like members of the Biden administration. Don't do that again. (laughs) All right. Uh, Forgive me if I'm a little rusty. It obviously has been a little while since I've been with you guys Uh, One thing after another after another. So great apologies on the long absence. However, 
things still have not settled down as much as I would like, but it's clear I cannot remain silent any longer. It's been building up. I haven't had my cathodic uh, release here. I haven't been able to get behind this microphone and really talk to you guys about all of the insanity that has been going on and so much has happened since last I spoke. I I couldn't possibly go back and get to all of it. So we're just going to kind of move on and may occasionally bring something up from the past few months. You know, like how Joe Biden has managed to completely decimate the United States of America's energy independence. How he's managed to completely just decimate the concept, the idea, the notion of world security uh, by botching the withdrawal from Afghanistan in the way that he did, the whole time still continuing to play patty cake with China, evidently, while China's developing and now letting us know they have developed weapons that can, uh, well, probably beat most of our defenses for their long-term weapons, you know. Never mind the fact that China is overtly threatening to take over Taiwan and could possibly be using the dreaded poison frog technique, which uh, at some point we may go into that. But the idea here is that there are some islands south of Taiwan that apparently nobody really cares too much about that China may claim. And then that in turn would make it much, much easier to spring a surprise attack on Taiwan because, you know, during the course of everyday transactions between the mainland and the islands. So what are you going to do? Well, you know, I know what I would do. I'm pretty sure I know what Donald Trump would have done had he been reinstalled as the commander-in-chief of our military. I, I can even say I'm reasonably certain what most, you know, fairly cognitive and competent people who have been elected to the office of president would most likely do. I feel confident that I can make that assessment. And uh, spoiler alert, it's pretty much the opposite of what Joe Biden has done. All right, so it's November, right? We've we've got the world climate crisis just being exacerbated by all these uber-rich uh, elitist who went to the little meeting over in Glasgow. I'm sorry, y'all flew there using private jets. And once again, rules for thee, but not for me scenario. So y'all having a great time. Uh, a big rumor going around, of course, that perhaps the Operation P-Pads part of the administration may have had an actual accident while meeting with the Pope. Now, I, I don't know how truthful that is. It's just I hate the fact that there's even for just a second, for just a brief moment, the possibility that that could be true. I hate to believe because it sounds like something that very well could happen with this geriatric uh, nursing home patient who's currently living in the world's most expensive nursing home. You know it, the one at the address of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But I think one of the most telling things is something that a lot of you will be watching uh, over the course of the next couple of days, and that's the fallout from the Virginia gubernatorial election. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Now, at the time of the live broadcast, that's actually occurring tomorrow. That'll be happening on Tuesday, November 2nd. 
So if you're hearing this show after that point in time, then uh, you probably got a spoiler alert on where we're at from here. But the very fact that this has become a race, the very fact that this has become an actual contest tells you all you need to know even among traditionally safe Democratic voters. When I say safe, I mean people the Democratic Party typically can count on to vote blue no matter who. And that is they have real concerns, not just about Joe Biden, but also about Terry McCollum because of his longtime associations with the Clintons. And the fun part is it has a lot to do with the fact that Terry McAuliffe really honestly doesn't believe that parents in the state of Virginia should have anything at all to do as far as controlling the education of their children. It takes a village, but the parents aren't part of that village. Uh, not the parents of their own children, anyway. I mean, sure, you're welcome to you're you're will, welcome to help finance their great plans of educating. <clears throat> indoctrinating your children. But you should have no say. If they decide, the, the local school boards in the state of Virginia, if they decide to put books in the library that are tantamount to pedophilic pornography, well, that's okay because these are Nobel Prize winning authors. Because these are authors of color. Because these are people with a different viewpoint, and it's challenging the viewpoint of the parents. That's the purpose of education, to hear these people tell it. But that's not the purpose of education. The purpose of education is to prepare your children to be able to go out into the world and to be productive members of society, which is something these people aren't capable of doing because they haven't been educated themselves. They are also the victims of indoctrination, with the exceptions of the few folks that are a little higher up in the, the food chain, if you will. The people that actually do know better, who do know what the consequences are going to be of trying to ingrain the notion into every child across the country that America is bad. America is evil. America is the the force of darkness for the whole world. And also ingraining the idea, the thought, the whole process that if you're born white, you are in fact born evil. And I will get to a story about that today just momentarily involving Virginia and everybody's favorite school board in Virginia, Loudoun County, in just a little bit. But before I get there, I also want to mention that Terry McAuliffe made more headlines going into the final pitch for the election in saying that there are too many white teachers in Virginia already. Now, the teachers, the school boards, the principals, they're all in for McAuliffe already. And now he doesn't have their back. Or does he? Because remember, virtue signaling is not the same thing as having virtue. And maybe, maybe all the teachers in Virginia are okay with that. Maybe, maybe all the teachers in Virginia know that, well, yeah, uh, maybe he's right. Maybe there are too many white teachers. Maybe some of us should do other things. Why don't you promote us to a higher position somewhere in the administration of the school so we can hire some teachers of color? Maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're all in on it. Or maybe they just know with the wink and a nod that it's just virtue signaling that means nothing. Because at the end of the day, 
Terry McAuliffe doesn't care what's going on in the schools. He just wants to make sure that he gets the money that comes from the teachers' unions so that he can run his campaign and hopefully reclaim the title as governor of Virginia. But like I said, the fact that this is even a race going into to this uh, election, that's – that really is very telling. So a lot like in California with the Gavin Newsom recall election, the story isn't that Gavin Newsom got reelected. And the story here will not be should it happen. And, I'm, you know, I got my fingers crossed. I'm definitely hoping that Glenn pulls out the win. I'm hoping that the, the parents stand up and actually send a message to these Democrats in the state of Virginia that since since the – end of the whole blackface debacle that they have as a whole in unison with the governor blackface leading the, the way with Ralph, this, this whole notion of just attacking one piece of the family unit at a time. They continued going on and on and on. Well, now, now, in Loudoun County, we have seen over the course of the last several months good reporting coming from the Daily Wire. And it makes me proud that I actually went ahead and started a membership with the Daily Wire because, you know, they do so much free content, so much really, really good free content. Somebody who's, you know, barely scraping by like myself. And I, and I admit it freely. I'm barely scraping by. I am. I, I'm not a conservative because I'm some rich fat cat. I'm a conservative because I see the Constitution and I understand the historical uh, battles that took place for us to have a constitutionally federated republic. And knowing that that, along with an actual honest-to-goodness free market, are the only things that provide true freedom. That's why I'm a conservative. I see what needs to be conserved in the American way of life. I'm not a conservative because I'm wealthy. I'm not some blue blood Republican. I'm not a, truly a Republican, period. I'm a conservative. I just end up voting for Republicans way more frequently because typically those are the, the candidates that are closest or at least promising to be the closest to what I'm hoping for. And I think – if you took a survey of the overwhelming majority of Americans across the country, regardless of where you are, you find out that most people who tend to vote Republican probably vote that same way. Not because they're diehard Team Red, although there are plenty of folks that are like that. Don't get me wrong. We've all met them. We all know who they are. Vote Red or else you're dead. Vote Blue no matter who. Uh, these are the the political purists who really don't care what the people are doing as long as the party is doing okay. Well, I'm American, and I want what's best for America. That means I want what's best for every single person out here in this country. Lower gas prices would be a heck of a start. Well, you know, I don't mean I'm into pudding and uh, my slippers, and, and I don't have an immediate answer for that. I, I've been begging OPEC. Stop begging OPEC. How about this? How about you look at how things were right before you took office, and you do that. You don't even have to mention the word Trump. You don't even have to acknowledge that it was a Trumpian idea. I mean, we'll all know, and we'll all still be chanting, let's go, Brandon. But you don't have to acknowledge it. You don't have to admit it. It'll be okay. Just do it, and the solution's there. 
We go instantly from now having to depend on oil being exported to us to exporting oil ourselves. No, but you see, Tom, that's not very green. That's just... It's just not very green. Fair enough. The FBI is looking to bully and try to silence the parents that are stepping up. And, you know, God bless every last one of you. You parents that are out there and you're stepping up and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, finally taking an interest in what the local school boards are doing, seeing the battle. And then, again, thank God for the Daily Wire and their reporting. And, again, that's – I decided to pay for a membership with the Daily Wire. I started to tell the story a second ago and I got sidetracked. Sorry. Decided to pay for a membership with the Daily Wire the instant they stated that they would be fighting vaccine mandates, that they would go to court to fight them. I was like, because they were the first one. Now, if the Blaze had come out and said that sooner, I probably would have joined them instead, paid for a membership with the Blaze. But uh, first of all, I'm enjoying my membership with uh, the Daily Wire, some of the movie content. Uh, is actually good, and there's more stuff coming down the road. Uh, the availability of the podcast and, and other things that aren't outside of the paywall, uh, it's it's pretty good. And i got to tell you, the leftist tears <laughs> uh, beverage container is uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. When they say it keeps hot beverages hot, I, I had uh, coffee this weekend uh, that I, I used – the uh, leftist tears coffee mug from, uh, from and it's not a mug it's a tumbler first of all okay so it's a tall tumbler but I used it for the first time this weekend and I got to not only did it keep my coffee hot it kept it hot for a while in fact the first twenty minutes or so I think my coffee actually got hotter so there is value to the membership beyond what they do with the money. But what they're doing is actually pushing back against the culture. So uh, hat tip to Daily Wire and everything everything they're doing. Uh, And I'm so glad that they're pushing so hard against this. But the the journalism, the individual journalism that actually happened looking into the Loudoun County public affairs that actually brought to light the fact that there was a full-blown cover-up, a full-blown cover-up where – Superintendents and school board members were knowingly lying at these meetings about sexual assaults that were happening within their schools, about the fact that boys wearing skirts saying that they're gender fluid were actually perpetrating sexual assault on girls in girls' restrooms. This fact that they were covering up just – So they could push the agenda of saying, hey, we're culture warriors at the front of the class. We're pushing transgender bathroom policy down the throat of parents whether they want it or not. And there's no reason for them to be upset. And we're going to use all the dirty little tricks in the leftist playbook, including assaulting and trying to destroy the life of a father who was doing nothing more but standing up for the honor of his daughter and acknowledging the fact, wanting the rest of the people at this meeting to know that he, in fact, knew that the superintendent was lying because his daughter had been one of these sexually assaulted individuals. 
and there was an ongoing criminal investigation. The student in question had to go to another school. And, oh, yeah, the student in question who was about to have a trial where he was going to be offered a plea deal uh, got the plea deal revoked because he did it again at the other school. So now that complicated everything from the first go-round. But what should have been... Less than a misdemeanor, because he got a little unruly at this meeting. It it evolved into this whole thing where the officers that took him into custody bloodied him up, where they handcuffed this father defending the truth. And then in this, which still remained a misdemeanor offense, the state attorney general showed up to personally prosecute this case against this father. Come on, as our good friend P-Pants out of Operation P-Pants and E-Pads, as our good friend barely there, Beijing Biden, barely competent, barely there, Mr. Joe Biden, the so-called most popular president in history because he got a record amount of votes. So popular, in fact, that uh, a chant has started, and now the PG version of that chant, uh, Let's Go Brandon, can be heard everywhere. And you know what? I've seen lots of conservative outlets uh, signing up to to give you new uh, merchandise, Uh, Let's Go Brandon merch, and it's, it's hilarious. And I'm so glad that Let's Go Brandon came along. Because, you know, I've got kids, and I know other people who still have kids. Now, my kids are old enough to to be able to handle it, but I don't necessarily enjoy going around being very crude. So the left's fake business with this crudeness, how upset they are, although they seem really happy when certain actors would take the stage and say, F Donald Trump. They cheered that when Samantha B called a member of the Trump family a feckless C-word. Oh, the crowd went wild. But now they're actually literally upset about Let's Go Brandon? It's so crude. No, what was, what was being said before Let's Go Brandon was a little. It was a little crude, I, I will admit. And by a little, yeah. By, by decent standards, uh, it shouldn't be uttered in public. But our our country, we we seem to have moved past civility. Uh, I I don't. We were going down that path already. So I think the keyboard warriors and being able to hide behind a keyboard has really went a long way towards people forgetting that uh, you're supposed to act and conduct yourself with some level of decorum when you're in a public sphere that, that's pretty well gone now. I lament it a bit, but at the end of the day, that's where we are, so let's move on, I guess. But I, I'm so happy that Let's Go Brandon came along so we can use him. Anyway, this whole thing, this whole debacle, it, it has infuriated me from the beginning. And the more we found out, the more we discovered in Loudoun County and in other counties in Virginia as well, not as bad as what seems to have happened in Loudoun County, or at least we haven't found out about it yet. Every time we found out something new, there was that much more infuriation. And it seems pretty clear that Terry McAuliffe was aware at some level that this was going on. That there was a cover-up actually happening in an effort to try and help uh, push the transgender bathroom policy. Well, now there's a big story coming out of Loudoun County. Now speaking at a Loudoun County public school board meeting, a mother now claims 
in a viral video that's out there, you may have already seen it, that her young daughter very, quote, somberly asked her whether she was born evil because she's a white person. Her daughter, little kid, little girl. Mommy, am I evil? Well, uh, why would you ask that? Do, do you look at Adolf Hitler or Saddam Hussein and think, gee, that guy was swell? No. Do, do you uh, want to go around and, and squash people's freedom to express themselves? Uh, I don't even know what that means, Mommy. Well, then why would you think you're evil? Well, uh, we're learning in class, even though the, the teachers keep saying there's no such thing as CRT going on in the classroom, we learned that because uh, I'm white that I, I'm an oppressor, and uh, oppressors seem evil. Anyway, the mother, whose identity has not been revealed at this point, claims that in a one-minute speech, quote, my children now are in private school and are thriving. We had specifically moved into LCPS district because of its great reputation. Yet, we've been chased out of LCPS, Loudoun County Public Schools, due to the swift and uncompromising political agenda of Superintendent Williams, Zegler, and school board that have forced upon us. There's a comma here. Was there, was there not supposed to be a comma? <laughs> Evidently not. So first, it was in early spring of 2020 when my six-year-old solemnly came to me and asked me if she was born evil because she was a white person, something she learned in a history lesson at school. She added, I wish I could return my kids to LCPS. Private school is expensive, and I want my kids to be able to walk home from school with their friends in their own community. I refuse to allow you to destroy our schools. They are not your schools. They are our schools. You all should be ashamed, and you should have the moral courage to admit that you're wrong and step down. Now, there's more to the story, but I, I have to stop there. I have to ask this mother if she has any clue who she's actually speaking to, because these people do not have any true morality. They only have the virtue that has been instilled to them through indoctrination. They only have the virtue that they must signal. They have an agenda, and some of them don't even know what that agenda is. They just know they have to go along to get along. They're still in the process of rooting out all the teachers that would dare stand up to the agenda. They're in the process of trying to root out all the teachers that might say that education is a place where multiple points of view are welcome, but that facts remain facts. Now, those there's no place for those teachers. Remember, we're, we're living in a time where they now are trying to convince us that math is racist. This is something that's hit very close to home here in Tennessee because Tennessee – for some reason, hired some lady from California who was very much behind the uh, push to try and completely rebrand mathematics in California. Again, because it's a tool of white supremacy. Yeah, I, I, how did we not know this? How is it that I've been walking around all this time and saying, you know what, two plus two, that's four, y'all, and didn't instantly recognize that as being white supremacy? How did I not know that?
How is it that I could sit here and say, uh, if, you know, things aren't adding up? That, that's, that's a racist statement. If I say one plus one, you know, trying to say how simple something. Well, that's not simple for everyone. Uh, if you ask me, saying that math is racist is actually the thing that's racist. Because you are insinuating that anyone other than white can't be expected to learn math and therefore can't be expected to do math and therefore can't be held to the same standards. Now, I get it. There are some things that may have a cultural slant. I'm still going to argue that the overwhelming majority of things that was taught in school while I was still in public schools pretty much did not meet that standard. What they have done since then, it looks like they've been pushing too hard to go the other way. I mean, that's why we have approximated math now, and even approximated math, where, you know, it's, it's not important that you get the correct answer. It's just important that you're able to show and demonstrate that you understand the concepts that would get you to the correct answer. So it's, it's okay to mess up. Uh, also, by the way, any school that's teaching approximated math, do not hire their students to be an engineer, okay? Math is kind of important in the real world. Have moral courage. Asking leftists that are pushing an agenda, asking – you know, I don't even think it's fair to call these people leftists, quite honestly. I mean I'm sure they are. Some of them have made it quite clear with things that they have said publicly since this debacle has begun. Since people first started pushing back with their transgender bathroom policy back in 2020, before any of these cover-ups were revealed, before we had any idea how bad it really was in this school district, before we realized that the current attorney general has a son-in-law that makes a ton of money, and I about used a naughty word I shouldn't use if I want to get replayed on the radio, makes a ton of money – by spewing out the racist nonsense of CRT. So is it any wonder that threats are made against these parents by the Department of Justice, that memos are sent out by the attorney general uh, instructing the FBI to look into these many things? And all these many cases are very rarely anything substantive. And when they are, and don't get me wrong, if somebody makes a legitimate uh, threat against a school board member, it needs to be handled locally. It's not a federal issue, nor should it be. Well, the FBI is uniquely, uh, uniquely positioned and uniquely qualified to run this kind of an investigation, except they're not permitted. It is not their jurisdiction. This is not what the FBI is for. Now, what's happening, more likely than not, is you got a group of people that are finally realizing that the jig is up, at least in small pockets of this country, and they may or may not be aware of the Battle of Athens. I suggest you look it up. I'm not going to go into the history right here, but uh, it's Athens, Tennessee, if you need specifically, but it's called the Battle of Athens. They may or may not be aware of it, but they are afraid of it, and that's a case where there was a lot of corruption going on uh, after a certain world war had taken place. And when all these returning veterans came home, they tried to use the ballot box to correct that corruption. And when the corruption uh, attempted to steal the election, 
while those veterans took matters into their own hands to restore law and order. And it's referred to as the Battle of Athens, although it's a bit of a misnomer. It was, however, uh, one of the primary reasons why the Obama administration, uh, in its great wisdom, wanted to try to make sure that all returning veterans from service, from those who had actually seen active duty in hostile locations, would be automatically deemed to be suffering from mental illness. They wanted that because in their little mind, in their little brains, in their little heart of hearts, they couldn't possibly allow someone who's trained and who might have firearms be in a position to once again reestablish law and order when the government itself is what became lawless. I'm pretty certain that historical nugget was sticking in the mind of somebody who suggested it. (laughs) should be ashamed. Uh, They have to have a conscience to be ashamed, ma'am. But you keep going. You remind them that it is, in fact, your school, not theirs. They're supposed to be working for you, the taxpaying citizens of that county that pay their salaries and have voted for or appointed uh, them so that they can then appoint who the educators become, so on and so forth. Everybody should have a decent idea of how the school system works within their own county. And if you do not, I certainly hope that you do not have children that are in uh, said school system. Every one of them operates a little bit differently, but there are some basic fundamental premises that are the same, uh, primarily among which is that education is meant to be local. Education is meant to be answerable to the community that it serves. Those parents are who you are supposed to be answering to. And yes, there may be occasions where the right thing to do is to bring in some topics and do some teaching methods that may not be popular with the parents. But at the end of the day, you are still answerable to those parents. And there should be no question about the type of reading material that can be found in the libraries, and there should be no question about you providing safety in the restrooms, let alone trying to attack a father who's doing nothing more than trying to defend his daughter and to educate the public. Well, educate, not even the right word, inform. Inform the public, the people that were listening to you lie to them. But anyway, let me, let me, I, I will get wound up and I will run away if I'm not careful. In the same story, the next speaker stated that she was concerned about her 14-year-old daughter who would be walking the halls of Broad Run High School. And, unfortunately, I don't trust you with her care. After referencing the case of the male student accused of sexually assaulting a female student at the Stone Bridge High School in Loudoun County, she said, quote, I couldn't but help notice the rules for this meeting, which state there will be no public access to bathrooms or other facilities inside the LCPS administrative offices. I guess you wanted to make absolute certain that your restrooms were safe. Resign or be removed. Now, just as an FYI, this past week, a Virginia court ruled there was enough evidence to find that the teen accused of sexually assaulting a fellow student in Loudoun County High School bathroom back in May indeed did, quote, engage in non-consensual sex. Enough evidence to, to state that. The father 
of four young daughters spoke later, saying, quote, Your policies are contributing to creating an unsafe environment in the schools. I do not want boys in my daughter's bathrooms. I do not want boys on my daughter's sports teams. How can I as a father trust you as a superintendent and you as a school board to keep my daughter safe at school? Why would I want to entrust you with all of our daughters once they become school age? The answer is that I can't. So, hey, round them up. Round every last one of those parents up because, you know what, they're domestic terrorists. They are. They're domestic terrorists. Uh, this according to the National School Boards Association. Uh, this according to the memo sent from the Department of Justice by the current teen attorney general. Thank God he didn't become a Supreme Court justice. This memo that was sent to the FBI. Look into these parents. These are the true faces of domestic terrorism. Don't you worry about extremist Islam. Don't you worry about folks hiding out in compounds and isolated parts of the country that are just hoarding up guns. You need to be looking up everybody who's willing to stand up and say, hey, I know you're a Democrat, but maybe you're wrong. Can't have that. Insurrectionist. Every last one of them. How dare they need to be rounding up every single person that voted for Donald Trump because we're all insurrectionists. Now, what we actually are are concerned Americans who would like to see a return to freaking common sense. And finally, finally, you guys have pushed just a little too far. You pushed to the point where now you have gone just far enough, just far enough. That even people that typically vote Democrat recognize how Looney Tunes you really are. Will that be enough to usher in a new governor in the state of Virginia? Well, we'll find that out on Tuesday. I, I really am, really am rooting for the Republican nominee. I really am. I hope Glenn wipes the floor. And I know that's not going to happen. It's going to be close if he does win. But this is still one of the bluest states in the country now. So many people who actually worked for the federal government moved away from the crime-written ridiculousness of D.C. into parts of northern Virginia and parts of eastern Virginia in order to try to find some place that's still mostly blue, still appreciates the fact that they work for the government, but doesn't have quite as much crime. And that's really about – but you know what, guys? You're bringing the mindset with you. You don't start voting for some different types of people. You're going to end up just having that same kind of crime follow you. Don't California my Texas. Don't New York my Florida. And don't D.C. my Virginia. Well, Virginia may be for lovers, but Virginia has also been deceased. But they're not quite deceased just yet. Maybe. Just maybe they'll pull something together. Now, ordinarily, I'll play some uh, some things like the Edwards Notebook and Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day business uh, at about the halfway point of the hour. But I have been off track, and you know what? I apologize. But I am going to get it in in this hour, and then we're going to continue on to the next hour. So you guys stay right where you're at. I'll be with you on the other side of these brief PSAs. 
Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. In 1984, University of Houston political scientists Donald Luck and Charles Kinnaman wrote about what most influenced the development of American political thought during the founding era of the United States. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Everett's Notebook, brought to you in part by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the relative influence of European writers on late 18th century thought was published in 1984 after analyzing some 15,000 items published between 1760 and 1805. The authors isolated 3,154 direct quotes cited by the founders. They discovered that 34% of those quotes came directly from the Bible. French legal philosopher Baron Charles de Montague was quoted 8.3% of the time. Sir William Blackstone, a renowned English jurist, was quoted whose commentaries on the laws of England were highly accepted in the United States, was next at 7.9%. And English philosopher John Locke was fourth at 2.9%. Three-fourths of the biblical citations came from reprinted sermons, and only 9% came from secular literature. Those statistics clearly reflect the Bible's impact on the founding fathers. Perhaps today's politicians in our republic overall would greatly benefit from a greater biblical influence. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com for constitutional grounds of coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks, because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system, and if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban, to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions, schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also, yeah. don't need home protection. 
Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protections. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. <laughs> yes, that is diversity. All right. Uh, we spent some time talking about Loudoun County, Virginia School Board, and the, the newest round of the public schools, and the fact that there seems to be no doubt how far out of control these people are. They want to push an agenda. The agenda is not one that most of the parents agree with, and it's one that is, in fact, dangerous. Now, I've been criticized over the years for mentioning to you anecdotal stories, not evidence, but, but anecdotal stories. When uh, companies like Target introduced a transgender bathroom policy and then suddenly uh, there were issues of safety. But the left, the administrators of such schools, they don't want you knowing that these things might happen. Because you guys, you're old enough to remember when you were growing up that sometimes things weren't fair. Sometimes because one person would do something bad, everybody would have to have a different set of rules than what you wanted. Sometimes it was a dress code. Sometimes it was a, a matter of having to stand in line. Sometimes it was a matter of having to, to wait. Sometimes it was a matter of having recess canceled. But whatever it was, and this actually continued into adulthood. There would be places in work where we know that the majority of you would not do this, whatever X may be. But because one person might, we can't allow any of you to do Y where X would be possible. Yeah, we've all been there. 
And this is kind of the same deal. Because there is an inherent risk to our girls, we have to protect them from those boys that would take advantage of this type of policy. You ain't got to like it, but you need to understand it. And I'm sorry, uh, school board and superintendents and uh, Governor Terry McAuliffe want to be. Of course, he, he has been, so I guess under the current rules, it's okay to still refer to him that way. I still think that Governor Blackface, a.k.a. Ralph Northam, uh, is uh, much, much better governor than Terry McAuliffe was. Because at least he was honest about his racism and honest that he couldn't remember if he was actually the guy in blackface or if he was the guy wearing the hood. I, I'm sorry. I, clearly, one of them is me. I just don't remember which. Okay. Yeah, the standards aren't set very high when you're dealing with these folks. But it's not limited to Virginia, right? I mean, we've been hearing these kinds of stories going on across the country, including uh, this story from... Once again, Browder County Public Schools in Florida, where they ended up having to issue statements to clarify situation. In, in case you haven't heard, because you know this was kind of a hit or miss, uh, I heard quite a bit of discussion with uh, the groups because some of the people that I talk to are still parents and, and still have – well, I mean a lot of the folks I talk to are parents, but uh, still have school-age children is how I probably should have put that. So they get concerned when they see stories like in the Broward County public schools when uh, they took a field trip to a strip club. Yeah, I'm sorry, a gentleman's club. I, I hope you heard the story about the uh, men's parade where students were giving faculty members lap dances, and that was justified. Uh, even some of the parents tried to defend it and say somebody should have kept their mouth shut. But this trip, this trip – to the Gentleman's Club really kind of gets to me because they decided to issue a statement. Broward County Public Schools issued the following statement last week, quote, in response to criticism about a Wilton Manors elementary school field trip. That's how they frame it. They, they didn't mention where the field trip was due. William Manners Elementary School offers a unit of inquiry called How We Organize Ourselves. Now, in the unit, students learn about neighborhood safety, community helpers, the importance of being a community member, what it takes for a community to be successful, different jobs in a community, and social skills when interacting with others. They also visit local restaurants, Rosie's Bar and Grill, which is within walking distance from the school and opens early for the students. The bar and restaurant was not open to the general public while students were present. When the business opened, students transitioned to separate outside locations to order and eat their meals. The students ordered their meals from a student-friendly paper menu that has three child-friendly choices. They also, in the statement, included the actual menu or a copy of the menu. They learn about the types of jobs involved in opening a restaurant, how to pay 
for their meal and how to leave a tip for the service they receive. In addition, as part of the field trip, the Wilson Miners, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) Wilton Manors Police Department provides traffic assistance for the students so they can see and learn about the different ways police officers support the community. Now, like I said, the district also provided the menu for the students, the one that they use during their visit to Rosie's Bar and Grill. Uh, Burgers, grilled cheese, and uh, they offered a cheese version of the mini burgers. And then, of course, also chicken fingers. So very friendly. But you see, here's the whole thing. They seem to think it's perfectly okay to pretend like Rosie's Bar and Grill is not a strip club. But they don't deny it in this statement. They simply say that, well, it wasn't during their normal business hours. So they're not doing the things that they would normally be doing. The police, the local police, actually help provide uh, safe walking from the school to a local strip club. And their big excuse here, other than trying to explain away that, oh, well, you know, it's not that it's... Uh, anything was going on inappropriate, their big takeaway is that the fact that parents sign slip. I've yet to see a copy of the permission slip. Would love to see how that permission slip was written up. And let me know all that's going to have to be the end of the first hour. So for those of you listening at KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, that's going to be it for now. Tune in again tomorrow or tonight's live. In the meanwhile, guys, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and more importantly, use your brain. Want to tap? into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, be smart, and even if that being smart goes against your nature, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) So you guys stay right there. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. A blue state plan taught to praise the little man, told that union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun, warned about the greed within the mass. They met beneath the moonlit sky, a college party drunk and high, and when they had degrees, they said their vows. He couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago 
different in your eyes They're different in your eyes They're different in your eyes
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to be back on the air with brand new content, and we're just tearing it up, boys and girls. Time of the live broadcast, just in case you're wondering, you know, in case you're listening to the rebroadcast on great radio stations around the country like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Well, the time of the live broadcast is just a little bit before 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on November 1st. So, if you hear something that sounds a little bit dated by the time you're hearing it, because this is the second hour of a live broadcast, well, then that's the reason why. So, I'm going to try to uh, delve away from the topic of what's going on in the Virginia gubernatorial election, because I don't know what's going to happen yet. It's still the first right now. <laughs> and by the time a lot of you guys are going to hear the first hour tonight, it's already going to be the second and the election is going to be going on. But presumably, uh, by the time I get back on here and record yet another broadcast or bring you another live show, we'll have the results and we'll talk about it. And my fingers are crossed uh, very much in hopes that the former Clinton yes man uh, is told soundly no by the voters of Virginia. But Virginia's a very blue state. It's a very blue state where there's a lot of things going on. And sadly enough, there's a lot of people that have been voting blue no matter who so long that maybe they honestly believe that they can fix the problems with the school boards and, and all the corruption that's going on uh, by continuing to elect Democrats, just a Democrat that will promise to fix things. Except, hey, guys, you know, I, I just I feel like doing a, a scene out of. Uh, back to the future. Uh, hello, McFly. You've been voting for these same guys who have been making the same promise over and over again, and they're not the ones that make it any better. By now, you should have noticed this. Just saying. You know, back in the first hour, we spent most of our time talking about a few things that I've not had a chance to really get into, but it still circles around this gubernatorial race, and it also circles around with the Loudoun County, Virginia school system. And, of course, we mentioned uh, Brower County uh, in Florida, their school system as well. So they had an elementary school take a little walking field trip to a, a local school. Try to pretty it up and make it as simple and safe-sounding as possible, but, you know, that's just not the deal. But their whole defense is that, okay, it wasn't normal business operation day, so the normal operations of the business wasn't going on. The students walked from the school to Rosie's Bar and Grill, but they were safe because the local police uh, helped uh, shepherd them there. That that it wasn't normal operations, and they even included a little kid-friendly menu in which they're supposed to be learning about how an, a restaurant would work and how you would tip your waiters for service and how you place the orders and how you spend the money and, and all these great, really important lessons that would be just as easily done at a restaurant and that is not a bar and a grill, and especially not a freaking strip club. 
But hey, 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 it's okay. They're completely right. They're completely right because the parents signed a permission slip. Again, I have not seen a copy of this permission slip. I really, really would like to see a copy of this permission slip. I would like to see the part where it says, your student will be going to the nearby strip club. <laughs> I would love to see that. And I'm guessing that there's probably, in Broward County, Florida in particular, probably a ton of parents that still would have signed it without even looking at it. I'm willing to guess because we've seen how well uh, the parents have been involved with making sure that the school administrators and superintendents and school boards are being uh, held to task there. Their feet have really been held to the fire. Sheesh. Man, oh, man. It's just (laughs) – it is so unbelievable. But you know what? The problem is that – Schools, public schools in particular, have become indoctrination centers, not education centers. And beyond that, an even bigger problem is they have – and I mentioned this back in the first hour, so I'm just trying to recap a few things. They have really worked hard to weed out the teachers that would stand up against this ridiculousness. That would stand against the idea that, no, we must force girls to share bathrooms and dressing rooms and sports activities with boys just because those boys say they are gender fluid. That once they say those magic words, you're not allowed to question them anymore. You're not allowed to say, hey, Jimmy, are you sure you're not just trying to go get an easy peek? Are you sure you're not just trying to to take advantage of the rules? You see, you're not allowed to, to ask that question. You You have to treat them like they're being completely honest. You have to treat them like they actually have gender dysphoria of some kind. And and we're not allowed to treat them the way we would have treated a student of that age with gender dysphoria in the past because we're not allowed to say, okay, let's, let's get you some help. Or we can't say, you know what, just do what you're going to do right now, and I'm willing to guess that you're going to grow out of it. I mean, never mind the fact that statistically speaking, over 90% of pre-adolescent and adolescents who go through gender dysphoria do outgrow it before the end of puberty. And the ones that don't make it out of before the end of puberty, uh, a high percentage of them manage to, to outgrow it before they get to their mid-20s. So it's not something that requires a whole lot of who be what's it. You know, all this, well, we have to pretend like they're a special class of people and we have to give them special access to things. We have to treat them like they are what they say they are. We have to we have to give them special acknowledgement because of how brave they are. Now, no, this isn't brave. Being brave is standing up and saying something that's not popular to a group of people that are going to try to cancel you for having said it. What these kids are being part of is part of the pop culture. We've heard everything from trending trans 
to uh, now Munchauser by Internet. There's this big influence, and these kids that are spending so much time on TikTok are probably more susceptible than any because they're spending all this time being influenced by influencers that are making everybody think that it's okay. That it's actually to just be yourself if just being yourself is not being like them, whatever that may be. School has become an indoctrination center. Social media has become an indoctrination center. We talked about back in the first hour, though, this viral video of the mother who said that her six-year-old daughter at the time came home and asked her point blank, was she evil because she was born white? Well, I mean, the, the bad news is, is that she honestly felt like she had to come home and ask. The good news is that the answer is no. No, you're not evil just because you're white. Now, you may actually be evil for other reasons. I don't know you, little girl. Uh, I'm sure your mother is not going to tell you that you are, though. I'm of that. But what I find humorous is the fact that this past week, one of the loudest voices for what they call anti-racism, because you know it's not enough to just not be racist. Now you have to be an anti-racist. It's, it's a demand. It must be that way. Uh, one of the leading voices for anti-racism, an individual who has made a career, made a career out of the whole idea that anti-racism not only is a real thing, but it's the only thing that's acceptable kind of got caught up in a little bit of a, a moment of a self-oopsie, a, a cell phone, if you will. Ibram X. Kendi. Any at all to critical race theory. You've heard the name, may have even seen him on one of the networks that claims to be a news network and, of course, uh, also just part of the propaganda media. May have seen him, may have heard him talking about his ideas and his thought process on how to fight racism. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's this crazy idea, this crazy notion that sometimes you have to fight fire with fire, literally. Now, it's an extremely rare situation where fighting fire with fire is actually a workable strategy. But Ibram X. Kendi believes that the only way to fight racism is by being racist, just, you know, in the other direction. Of course, he's also one of these people that believe racist in the opposite direction because they've, again, changed the definition of racism. In order to be racist, you have to have a certain amount of institutional power. And, of course, they don't have any institutional power, so they can't be racist, even though this guy's a college professor <clears throat> Excuse me. Guy is a college professor. Okay? Boston University. He is, in fact, in a position of power. He's in a position 
to influence young minds who are supposedly one of the most influential parts of their lives and things that the teachers were afraid to because, of course, they're constrained by the bounds of what the local school boards will allow, which, as we've been talking about all first hour, those constraints are not much of constraints these days. Very leftist indoctrination friendly, if you will. Well, Ibram found himself in a little bit of a spot this past week. He ended up having to delete a tweet. Now, for those of us who spend time on Twitter, sometimes we know how ridiculous it is. I'm kind of in the uh, Dave Chappelle school of thought with Twitter. F Twitter, because it's not a real place. But there are some people, you would think Twitter is the only place. They're just waiting for uh, uh, truth media to come out. I, I think that's what they're calling it, the new Trump social media thing. Uh, you know, I've been getting blast after blast in my email. I'm sure a lot of you folks probably have as well. If you're a regular listener to this show, you're probably signed up on a lot of the same newsletters. So I'm sure you've heard about it. how many of you guys are just waiting for it to open up. How many of you can't wait to get on Trump social media? I, I'm waiting to see what it's actually going to be like. I, I get the sinking suspicion that it's not going to be everything we're being promised up front, but I think it'll get there quickly because the one thing that uh, Trump understands is you have to be responsive to your customers. But at any rate, Ibram Kendi, again, prominent advocate of the ideas of anti-racism, he deleted a tweet this past week on Friday, to be specific, after some of his critics – just a few, like a whole bunch, uh, pointed out that this particular tweet might have actually kind of inadvertently blew his whole ideology out of the water. So the details are pretty straightforward. Uh, this past Friday, Kendi shared a news article of a recent survey that discovered – well, it discovered more than one-third of white students – lied or misrepresented their race on college applications. Again, white students are lying on their college applications. Four-fifths of the white students who admitted to lying or misrepresenting their race said that they did so in order to improve their chances of being accepted. And half of those students who admitted to lying explained they did so to improve their chances of being aid earmarked for minority students. Now, he shared this saying, oh my gosh, see the evil white oppressors are at it again, trying to get the money that's set aside for minorities. Completely ignored the fact that some of them were lying or misrepresenting uh, themselves to improve their odds of being admitted. If there's so much systemic racism perpetrated against students of color, why are white folks wanting to pretend that they're students of color? 
Now, that's the $64,000 question, boys and girls. It's not a million-dollar question because guess what? First of all, under the Biden economy, none of those numbers equals up to being worth very much. But beyond that, uh, it's not that hard of one either. It does kind of blow up uh, his whole notion, though. Now, Quinning here, Kendi wrote on Twitter saying, quote, More than a third of white students lied about their race on college applications, and about half of these applicants lied about being Native American. More than three-fourths of these students who lied about their race were accepted. And then Kendi kind of deleted his tweet a little later. Now, I'm thinking back to the meme I saw floating around before Halloween where little girls dressed up kind of like a Pocahontas. And clearly she's a little white girl. And she comes up to this one stoop and uh, the person that opens the door says, that is insensitive cultural appropriations. You should be ashamed of yourself dressing up like a Native American. And the little girl responds, what Native American? I'm Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's it's a funny meme. It's not a great joke over the radio. Okay, so uh, anyway, Kendi decided to uh, do away with this tweet because he couldn't quite stand up to the pressure of his critics pointing out the flawed logic. Some folks even screenshots so that they continued to respond to Ibram's tweet. The reaction, Kendi's deletion, actually incited a bit of an avalanche of folks mocking. In sharing the news article, Kendi's critics said that he was undermining what he believes about white privilege and systemic racism in America. I think there's a solid case for that. As the post-millennial wrote, quote, if white privilege is so prevalent and pervasive, why would white kids feel the need to disguise their whiteness in order to gain admittance to college and aid to help them attend? Could it be that these white students felt that, well, felt that they're as oppressed to giving them an edge? Well, that as opposed to giving them an edge, that whiteness was a hindrance to admission? Now, we know this to be the case. We know this to be – right now, the two worst things you can be trying to get into a prestigious college in particular is to either be Asian or white. You are at a major disadvantage. Even if you happen to be a legacy these days, it's not a done deal. If you fall into one of those two categories, uh, because while Asians are presumably people of color, uh, again, just not the right color, I suppose. Some of the responses other than post-millennium, quote, white kids are lying about being black so they can get into college. Doesn't make the point Kendi thinks it does. Kendi deleted this tweet after a bunch of people pointed out it undermines his whole world view that the U.S. is an incredibly racist country where the system is rigged exclusively for white people. Kendi admits it's not 
actually a privilege to be white in America. Race activist Ibram Kendi tweeted out a report claiming high numbers of white students falsely identifying as people of color to reap benefits. He deleted the tweet after realizing it didn't advance his argument that whites are privileged in every way. That one was actually from Andy No. Collapsing your entire worldview into a giant sinkhole. And one of my favorites, that feeling you get when you accidentally blow up your entire life's work in a tweet and have to delete it. That's from Alex Griswold. <laughs> okay, so what's the response? Now that's when it gets even more interesting because do you think that Ibram X. Kendi can just allow this mockery to to be pervasive? Do you think they can stand back and acknowledge that, hey, maybe it's not quite as bad as I keep saying it is? Maybe. Maybe I've just made a career out of race baiting. Of course, he's never going to admit that, but how did he respond? Well, Kendi accused one critic of lying about what he had said. That critic, Jack uh, Pusovic, uh, then responded that he broke Kendi. In response, Kendi then said that uh, Prosubic's broke remark has a long history within racist structures. Kendi then claimed criticism from white people is violent. Quoting here now, Jack couldn't deny his lies, so this is how he responded. And his broke Reference has a long history within racist structures. White enslavers boasted of breaking black people when they did not break black people. Uh, and he also said, quote, the resilience never stopped and then it won't stop today. I think it was supposed to be the resistance. Uh, anyway. A white man is attacking a black person with lies which are violent. The black person resists. The white man keeps attacking until he declares he broke the black person. <sighs> Kenny made this response to one person on Twitter. That's the context. Seek a book about slavery. Now here's the thing. Abram X. Candy. Did I say candy? Candy. <laughs> Abram X. Candy. See, it's it's still awful close to Halloween. We're going into Thanksgiving next, by the way, guys. Uh, before I go too far down this little rabbit hole, how many of you guys are already having Christmas overload? I mean, I love Christmas, don't get me wrong, but we still have Thanksgiving to go. And I see so many people, especially in the, the local news media now, desperately trying to do uh, Thanksgiving uh, for the same reason that I've said on a multitude of occasions that they just can't handle having Thanksgiving uh, celebrated anymore. It has nothing to do with how uh, white settlers treated Native Americans. It has everything to do with the fact that Thanksgiving is a religious holiday – 
You cannot remove the Christian values from Thanksgiving, and so they just want to ignore it. Thanksgiving is next, boys and girls. That's where we're going next. That's what we're going to do next. So thank you. Any of you folks tired? Anyway, MMX Candy has this issue that he has to deal with first and foremost, and that's he's a racist. And anybody who's about to listen to him needs to understand that he is a racist. Everything he says is from a racist point of view. He is not capable of seeing the world in anything other than black or whatever other color you may be. That's where Ibram Kendi is. He's made his entire career being at that point. He embraces critical race theory. Even though he knows that critical race theory is an exaggeration for the longest time we we fought for a colorblind society that we knew was never going to be truly colorblind but that doesn't mean true colorblind it means that we don't see color as an obstacle to respect and relationships can you be friends with someone who's a different color than you are yes can you be a good co-worker with someone who's a different color than you are? Yes. How do I know that's possible? Because I've lived it. I have many friends, as Abram would say, of color. I don't often use that phrasing unless I'm talking about a specific quote here or if I'm trying to mock the left. What these people of color are my mind, to my heart, to my eyes, are just people, period. We all have a color. Mine happens to be that of a Caucasian male. Oh, no. Now I've let the cat out of the bag. I guess I can't lie on my college admittance. My application is going to be tossed now. They won't acknowledge me. Acknowledge me! I may be um, Elizabeth Warren. And you know, the funny thing is I actually am part Cherokee. Uh, <laughs> a lot of folks in this part of the country are. Um, I don't go around uh, trying to cash in. I don't go around trying to play off like I'm something that I'm not. And it's not because I'm ashamed of that part of my heritage, because I'm not. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's great that here in a melting pot, which is what this nation was at one point in time, we're not allowed to be anymore, but in a melting pot that you can blend cultures to create a new unique culture. That was the whole promise of America in its inception. If you go to historical documents, if you go to original documents, you learn very quickly that all these founding fathers and framers of the Constitution that, that the left keeps trying to back that they were slave owners, so many of them were against slavery. Several of them lived in a state where they weren't legally allowed to free the slaves that they inherited. 
doing so would have put now, of course, that's not good enough for some people. Or they just don't believe it. But again, how many people actually know that to be a historical fact? And, you know, once again, we're looking at the folks over in Virginia. Democrats in Virginia, y'all. <laughs> These people want to cancel individuals who were great people, who believed the whole idea, the 1619 Project, this, this falsification, that America fought a civil war to try and keep slavery. It's absurd. Some people believe, well, you know what? I seem to recall the phrase, some people believe, being used an awful lot on shows like Ancient Alien. Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. Well, these people are experts on the whole idea of ancient aliens and ancient astronauts. So um, does that mean that they get to rewrite our history too? And again, the argument, I suppose, is that, uh, well, you know, uh, there, there's some evidence. Well, show me the evidence and show me the preponderance of the evidence. Because I can lay hands hold of the digital as easily edited and it's being edited as if you can't handle. If you don't have thick enough skin to deal with backlash on Twitter, then maybe you shouldn't be on Twitter. But also, maybe you shouldn't be considered a thought leader or an academic. Maybe you shouldn't be a professor at Boston University. Maybe Boston University should have the cojones to say, why do you keep propagating myths and lies and try to paint America in its worst possible light because of some issues that were centuries ago and certainly do not apply in the way that you say it does today? Is there still racism? Yes, there is. In fact, anybody that's practicing anti-racism is practicing racism. So yes, there's a lot of racism. There's a lot more of it directed at white people today than black people. Now, I know they're, again, not going to be real popular, sad. But the truth is the truth. And I can't speak to every individual out there, Okay. Some of you individuals out there listening to this may be hearing me say this, and you're thinking, because of your own personal experience, that I'm just full of crap. <laughs> and as far as you're concerned, that's going to be true, and that's what you're going to take from it. But I'm going to continue to make the point over and over and over again for as long as I have breath in me when this topic comes up to, to practice intended racism in this country. And yet they still allow a certain amount when it comes to affirmative action. That's still the practice of racism. Now, I don't disagree that there was a point in time in this country that one could make the argument it was necessary to try and get it into the heads of some employers that, you know what, there is a lot to be said for having employees that don't all look exactly the same way you do. But it was still a racist practice. The point is the law says you can't be racist. Part is out of the equation. Well, what about the people who do this? What about the people who do that? Well, those are individuals who have been entrusted with the levers of power. 
They're not using the system as it's intended. They're abusing the system. So, again, that's not systemic. It's individual, and that should be dealt with not by trying to tear down the whole system, but by removing the individual. Every place where you have a statue of Stonewall Jackson, instead of removing it or hiding it, you should be using that. You can put a freaking new plaque on the front of it or beside it or attach it to it, whatever you want to do. But use use that to start the conversation about how bad it was before. Because when we talk about how bad it was before, it's really hard to continue to make the case that it's that bad now. That's a little truth that the Kindies and every other race-baiting so-called either journalist or academic, it's a little truth that none of them want to face because that takes away their power. It takes away their voice, their authority. They should have a voice, but you know what stands out? Do you know what voices Stand the test of time. It's the ones that tell the truth. It's the ones that speak reality. Right now, those are the voices that everyone on the left is trying to cancel. Right now, those are the voices that everyone who's in the world. But ultimately, those voices will not be squashed. You might You might drown them out for a little while. You might keep them quiet for a little bit. But the thing about the truth is that the truth endures. Some basic truths about the people that are trying to push this agenda. They want to destroy the family unit because strong families don't count on the government. They count on themselves. They want to destroy People of faith, they want to outlaw that faith or they want to diminish your faith because true people of faith put their trust in God, not in the government. And they want to keep every reason that would disagree with them out of the public venue because when enough people figure out what they're actually up to, the light bulb goes off. They realize they're being misled and that who they were told was the threat isn't really the threat. Too many people have sacrificed too much to build this nation as a strong and powerful republic. Since before we had even finalized the idea of having a constitutionally federated republic, folks who wanted power started working against it then. So again, let me encourage you, especially if you're somebody that disagrees with what I'm saying, please the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. Read both points of view. Read the arguments. Read the discussions and understand there's a reason why we should reset the United States Senate as being the house for the states. We shouldn't have elections for senators. We should elect 
The people going to the House of Representatives. That's the people's house. The Senate is supposed to be where the states get to air their concerns. States' rights need to be returned, put back in the hands. The federal government needs to be constrained. Because the more things the federal government tries to control, the worse things get in this country. Things get for the citizens of this country. No matter who you voted for, no matter who you supported, no matter who you thought was going to do the right job, no matter how much you're willing to put up with right now because you're so happy there's not any mean tweets coming at you. No matter if you're one of the folks that started that first chant that eventually led to Let's Go Biden. Whatever side of the aisle, even if you're completely and totally apolitical, you do better the less the federal government has control. The less the federal government has authority over anything. The original envision, the original envisionment of the federal government by the founders and the framers of the Constitution was that it would be so small that a reasonable person with a reasonable lifespan could their entire lives and not have to have a single interaction with the federal government. That was the hope. Here, you're going to do this. This is what you're going to do. This is all you have to do. No more. So unless you get elected to be part of that government, unless you serve a purpose there, or unless you have the unfortunate circumstance where you have to go before part of the government in order to try and help facilitate a change. And you should never have to deal with it. And the reason for that was because they knew the bloat would be there and they knew the lack of response to the citizenry would be there. They knew that at the state and local levels, the closer you were to the communities you served, the more answerable to those people you would be because those people would be in your, those people would be in your ear as communication and technologies advanced, there would be more ways for the citizenry to be there. And you would have to pay attention because if you didn't, you would be replaced. The one thing they didn't foresee is, and it's quite shocking to me, quite honestly, I, I still can't believe it myself, although I understand why they do it. They never believed for a second that ambitious politicians would ever just stand aside and let a different branch assume authority that is theirs. You know, the executive branch has enumerated powers. Then the legislative branch has enumerated powers. And the founders never thought for a second that the legislative branch would just stand aside and allow the executive are specifically enumerated for the legislative. They just, they never foresaw that. There were so many people that were so impassioned. They just didn't believe that would be possible. And it is kind of hard to imagine, especially when you see the egos that are involved. But unfortunately for us, we now live in a time where these folks are able to put their egos to the side as long as it means their team is winning. That's where we're at right now, and it's a shame. 
All right, I'm going to see if I can get my switchboard here to cooperate, which it is not doing very well right now. We'll see if we can't get uh, see if we can't get some of these uh, PSAs done, and then we'll have a very brief final segment. You got to stay right where you're at. I'll be back. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Hello, my fellow Americans. Has the United States become a socialist state in the image of Saul Alinsky? On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, there are eight levels of control that must be obtained before you are able to create a socialist state. Beginning with the most important, number one, gain full control of the people by controlling health and medical care. Two, increase the poverty level while pretending to fight against poverty. Poor people are easier to control and will not bite the government hand that feeds them. Three, increase taxes and spending to create unsustainable debt levels and thus increase more poverty. Four, convince people to abandon the Second Amendment and give up their guns. That way, you can create a dictatorship. Five, welfare handouts take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income. Six, education or indoctrination take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Common core, anyone? Seven, remove the belief of the Christian God from the government schools. Removing Christian Judeo principles accelerates the collapse of American greatness. Eight, class envy. Warfare divide the people into wealthy and poor while eliminating the middle class. And that's just for starters. Wake up, America. I'm Ron Edwards. 
Check out theronedwards.com. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, do be sure to check out theronedwards.com and uh, be sure to check out Songs and Stories uh, for Soldiers uh, while you're at it. Uh, great stuff. Now, not a whole lot of time, so I'm not going to do the Dan Was thing uh, in this second hour. Need to talk just a little bit in the few minutes we have from Afghanistan. Now, there's way too much to get into, and I have this thinking suspicion. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about it uh, <clears throat> over the course of the next few months because – just like uh, Charlie Gard, this is something that should never be forgotten. And for those of you that don't recall Charlie Gard, remember I made a promise a long time ago when this was a major news story that I am forever going to just occasionally randomly mention Charlie Gard, the poster child for why we should never, ever allow socialized medicine to take over this country. But <clears throat> the newest bit of information that we've discovered, even though the media and uh, Joe Biden himself, barely there, Beijing Biden, really, really wants us to just move past and move on from this part of the news cycle is the fact that they completely and totally bungled this operation, but a new piece of information has come to light. Now, part of what frustrated me as we were watching this so-called withdrawal go on was how little responsibility this administration took in regards to how you conduct a withdrawal. If you're just bound and determined to do it, if there's no turning back, if you're not going to give any other options on the table, you're not going to extend it, you're not going to postpone your deadline, you're not going to say, hey, you know what, we'll do it, but we'll do it when we feel like it, and we're probably not going to give you a heads up when that's going to happen. You know, whatever you decide to do, there's still a certain responsibility you have in safely doing this. Now, a new set of emails has been released that demonstrates that Joe Biden's handlers, people in this administration specifically said they wanted those last several airplanes that lifted off to be filled beyond capacity. Okay, how far beyond capacity do you really think you should be loading up? A, that I know, but yeah, you've got some room. Okay, the uh, engineers make sure that they have these planes set up so that there is opportunity to get some extra weight. So, yeah, you can use that extra weight in the form of people. But here's the real problem. They didn't care who these people were. Just fill it up. Let anybody in who wants to get in. No vetting required, no vetting necessary, no vetting to be done. Now, they continue to use as an excuse when private organizations like Mercury One was desperately trying to rescue people out of Afghanistan, desperately rescue American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies that worked alongside and fought alongside our military during our presence there. They refused to offer any type of assistance, even just approving uh, the acknowledgement that the people on these planes were safe. Mercury One and every other organization that was out there trying to rescue these folks were doing vetting. But they claimed that they couldn't guarantee the vetting had been done. And there's a reason why, because they can't do vetting. They don't even try. 
Joe Biden wanted a photo op. Joe Biden wanted to be able to say a loss that we weren't able to get everyone out that we wanted to. But look what a great job we did in getting this many people out. Take the picture. (coughs) Wait, let me put my mask back on. Now take the picture. Virtue signaling always being important. This is of huge import because of the lies they told about the Mercury One operations and the other organizations that were on the ground trying to rescue people, people that this administration left behind, people that this administration completely ignored the promises that the American government had made to them, people who put their lives on the line when it comes to some of these Afghan nationals who stood with us because they wanted a better day. And we not only abandoned them, but we abandoned every little girl at the age of 20 and under. We abandoned them to the harshness of the rules that they have to live by under the Taliban. Rules that they have never had to see because for 20 years, for two decades now, the Taliban has not been able to rule over any part of this very tribal nation. Now, maybe this country is filled with people that are never going to embrace the idea of having a republic or even accept the idea of modernizing. But you had, you had people 20 and under who've lived their entire lives. You have literal adults now who have never had to live under the rule of the Taliban. And you abandoned those people too. And the worst part is you didn't have to. There was no reason to. It had been over a year since the last last U.S. military uniformed individual lost their life because of active combat. Most of the deaths that were happening there were a result of of accidents, or they were private contractors that were going into higher risk areas. And they were getting paid very well. They knew the risk going in. That's what they were being paid to do. This was all about optics. This was all about being transitional. This was all about democratic fluff and fluey. Joe Biden supposedly wanted to be the no malarkey guy. Well, malarkey is about all he's been shoveling in the few brief moments of coherence that he has from day to day. This email just goes that much further down to prove the point that they didn't give a rat's backside about the people of Afghanistan or American green card holders that happen to be there or even the American citizens who were stuck there. American citizens... If you don't have a responsibility to anyone else in that country, you dang well have a responsibility to citizens. Anybody who still thinks that Joe Biden was a good idea has no business being in this country. You didn't like Trump fair enough. I didn't always like Trump myself. There were plenty of times when I wish he would just Be quiet for a minute. But I will take mean tweets. I will take misguided statements randomly, who's then still goes back, talks to his advisors, and his advisors tell him, 
uh, I'm sorry, Mr. President, we can't do that, or no, Mr. President, you're not allowed to do that, or no, Mr. President, we're not going to do that, and then do the right thing. And that's what we had before. That's what we had under Donald Trump. We had energy independence, and we had a guy that no matter what he said, still always ended up being the president that the Constitution says we should have. That's certainly not what we have now. That's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for listening and being here as always. And I look forward to us getting back together again soon. In the meanwhile, stay safe and uh, be smart out there, everybody. Who's against your nature? I'm out. using both hands.